All right. Sorry about that, guys. We're going to get everybody back in here. If you are able to come over into the new chat, All right. Sorry about that. Am I in the right place? Yep. You're in the right place. We'll see if uh, Steve and Sam get back on. All right. We're back. Sorry about that. I, I had my iPad on and thank you, Copay, for that I had my iPad on and I just swiped off of it because I was going to try to figure out pictures tonight off of that and it immediately just logged it off. Sorry. <laughs> so let's wait and see if we can get a bunch more back in the chat quick, okay? Okay. Is this going to be a new YouTube link? Yeah. I don't know how we're going to. Four. They're slowly coming back and finding us. We'll just take a minute. Mm. Yep. I couldn't remember what number it was either, so I uh, just quickly logged in. Okay, if if Montana can figure it out. There's Bill. We're good. <laughs> Bill H, Tim, Copay. Hello, Tim and Bill H. Thank you. John Lane, Eric. Oh, they're making it. <laughs> D Bart. Aldo. Thank you, guys. Sorry about that. I switched off of my iPad. <laughs> D Bart, you did it. Yep, I'm going to throw the, throw you under the bus and say you did it. <laughs> you picked up your iPad. <laughs> <laughs> Do I get a refund? No. <laughs> <laughs> so, Sam, let me ask you a question. Yeah. Um, does your husband have any interest in, in flying? I just put the dog down now. He's going to bark. Hold on. <laughs> I don't know what's worse, like the husband, the dog, or the children. Okay. Hopefully that's not too bad. Okay. What about my? What about the hubs? Does he have any interest in flying at all? Does so any, any oh, bit. No, none. none at all. He thinks it's so, like a tandem trying tandem. He'll he'll never do it. He'll never do. It. I actually, so I I actually I would like to say I caught my first thermal on my last flight, but the truth is a much better pilot than me was below me and started to turn, and I looked down and I thought, oh shit, I'm in a thermal. I should probably start turning, uh, and so. I ended up, I, I, someone told me that I was probably about three, 350 meters over launch by the time I had stopped turning. And someone on launch caught a video of it and I showed it to him. And he didn't say anything. Like, he didn't say anything. He just was like, okay. And to, in truth, I think if you asked him and he was honest about it, he would probably say that it doesn't, he's not entirely thrilled with the idea. But but he understands that for me, it's important. And I mean, and it's a sacrifice, right? Like we have young kids, we both work. If there's times when I kind of say, I'll say to him, like, 
you know, I don't know if I should go. And I think that my last fight, I turned to him and he was pretty much like, no, you should go. You want to go. You should just go. So he's definitely supportive and he gives me the flexibility to do it. Um, and because it's, you know, it's also an expense for the family. You know, someone once said to me, paragliding is nothing short of a selfish sport. Um, and you figure any days that I take to fly, any time that I need to, you know, pay a nanny to pick up my kids because I have to get on an early drive to camp overnight to try to, you know, t- catch a sledder the next morning, you know, that's expense. Um, it's so how far away is your Here's the question. And then everyone's going to be like, why doesn't she motor? Um, so when I first started, <laughs> the closest site was in up in the Poconos. It was Blue Mountain. And as I was actually getting my P2 close to the end, it shut down as a flying site. And Blue Mountain at the time was only about like 90 minutes one way from me. Uh, When that shut down, that made Ellenville Flight Park in New York, which is well known for hang gliding and its hang gliding history. um, Ellenville became my closest site, which is about three hours one way. Um, And that's sort of like I have to get around Manhattan to give you an idea of the time of day and traffic to get there sometimes. Um, and the other site, the other closest site is uh, Brace, which is in Millerton, New York, which is on the New York side, right where um, Massachusetts and Connecticut meet. So it's kind of like right on the border um, further north. And that's a three and a half hour drive for me one way without any Okay, traffic. are you ready for a paramotoring? So <laughs> you started this off like paragliding is way cooler, but three hours just to fly. I mean, yeah, you got to get a motor. Let's talk yeah, to your I, husband. I Put him on. I'll talk to him. Be like, you got to give her eight grand right now. You know what? But it's but but there's a couple things like, well, you know, like I said, like I try to stay married, right? Like that's you know, try to keep employed, the kids alive, and the husband relatively happy and still married, right? Um, and that's a big expense to switch. I mean, that's a whole new kit. You're saving so much time and money and nanny fees. So it'll pay off down the road. It's an investment. Um, But thankfully, the job that I have right now, I work three 12 hour shifts. So that's at least doable where there's days where like the kids are in school and I can, I can like sort of make it work. Um, So it's, it's been kind of possible. And my kids are young enough now, you know, in a way you kind of think it's crazy. Like, Holy shit. Like she started, Oh, I don't know if we're allowed to curse, but you know, oh my gosh, she started when her kids were three, but in a sense, it's almost in some ways easier because my kids aren't, they're not like in after school sports every day. They're not doing all these like crazy things or all these other, uh, other things that, that are sort of like, um, that eat up into our family time. So in a way it's almost a little bit easier that they're younger. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, the only thing is like the people that I know that do motor, I feel like they just, they kind of stop the paragliding. They don't paraglide as much because of the convenience, I think. Um, and for me, it's still, I don't know. I, it's still like, I think some of my, my favorite ways to be on launch are after hiking up to brace. It's, it sounds crazy. Um, but after doing the hike. See, I like, I like motoring cause I'm a heavy smoker, so I don't have to hike. I just park and I'm like, I'm going to run right here. Yeah. Uh, what's been your longest flight up in? Oh, so probably, I mean, I, I, I told you I've been back and forth to Utah twice. Um, 
I, I probably just some ridge soaring on the south side about like 47 minutes, you know, just kind of just kind of ridge soaring and um, in, in really awesome conditions. Um, I just am sort of now at a point where like I like Jane had asked me, like, do, do I have any pictures of me flying? Like, honestly, I use my GoPro more with the kids when I'm chasing them around than I do. Like, I don't even have I've tried a couple of times, you know, like clipping it to the harness. But then it's always like in these wonky angles where you just see like the chest strap or it's, you know what I mean? Or it's like you're not really seeing anything. And um, so my the as far as like my total airtime, I'll give you an idea. I have over 50 flights that I've logged. So not even all of the sort of like, not even all of the bunny hops, but I have a last count of 52 flights and my average flight time is eight minutes, eight minutes. Okay, it's time for a motor. To give you an idea. So <laughs> someone's asking what wing do like I buy. If, so I, if your LZ is three hours away and you're catching a eight minute sled ride, it's- I know, it's crazy. We're gonna, we're gonna start a GoFundMe for you. Oh I mean, no! I'm all about paragliding, but oh no! I'm just, I'm just thinking for your benefit. <laughs> so I, so like a lot of people here will, they'll take trips. And actually I had, um, I had, so I told you I go to Utah cause that's sort of the closest place, like as far as like flight wise to be able to get some time. And I'm hoping to be able to get some trips this year, um, where I can go and get some more airtime a lot of people here will go out to like columbia in, in the um i think it's like february they'll go to columbia or in like december a lot of people will go out to Valle before it gets too spicy um so there's definitely opportunities uh it's just again like there's also family vacations right like my husband's a physician he's got call time so it's you know are these trips that other people are taking scheduled uh at a time when I can even take them, like our call schedules, our weekend schedules get set out like months in advance. And a lot of times the trips aren't, we aren't kind of like notified. I mean, I have my pulse on it a little bit closer, so I kind of know what's going on a little more now. Um, but like even last year, part of that's also because like last year, my husband was having um, some health troubles with his foot. He had to have a bunch of surgeries and some of the trips that I had planned, I had to cancel. Um, so I lost out on opportunities to really be able to go and, and fly a lot. Um, so I don't know if that's why he's sort of forgiving now when I say I want to do crazy things. Like, like he said to me the other day, you know, I knew you were camping, but I didn't think you were going to camp in your car. You know, budget is an issue with him or whatnot. If, oh, no. if you're not, if you're not a heavy drinker, you only really need one kidney. I mean, oh yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, if you had asked me when I started, right? If you had asked me when I had started, however long ago, when I, when I, and when I say when I started, I mean like when I actually called and I showed up at the airstrip and I wrote the check for equipment. Um, if you had told me then that I would be driving three and a half hours one way to camp overnight to catch a sledder in the morning and hope that maybe I'd catch a second flight after another, you know, however many, 30 minute drive, 30 minute hike again, I probably would have looked at you like you were batshit crazy. Like there was no way I was going to do that because I, it wasn't even really in the plans. I mean, at the time I kind of thought like, Oh, I'll do this. And you know, it's not that bad. It's like only an hour and a half away. And, and it kind of shows sort of my own ignorance about what it's like to try to fly in the Northeast, to be honest, maybe ignorance. It is tougher. Is, it, it's definitely tougher. I mean, like even finding paramotor instructors up in the Northeast seems a lot more scarce than other places in yeah. the country. And a lot of like the 
a lot, a lot of the club pilots that I know that are, um, that have more hours that are some of the better, you know, pilots that I know got their formal training out on the West, out on the West coast. A lot of them went to Santa Barbara. Um, a lot of them went to Utah. And, and I think it's just, it just speaks to, you know, repetition, right? A lot of it's muscle memory. And, and that was part of the reason why I went out to Utah the first time was because, you know, nothing uh, to any discredit to any instructors that maybe are even qualified to instruct in the area. It's just extremely difficult when the number of flying days, you know, like I think we're what, Yushpa region number five. And if you look at the distribution, it's like, the Northeast and the rest of the world is, is considered that region. And it's just because I think that it's, it's so much more challenging to fly. And the ones that can fly are the pilots that are, that are like really true P3 pilots that know how to handle active air, that, that know um, some like how to maneuver sort of these, these tricky launch sites. Um, and that's hard to build. That pilot I think is just extremely hard to build from the ground up starting in the Northeast without sort of investment in time to sort of like go somewhere else just to get consistency. What P yeah. ratings do you have? And uh, also what, what wing do you fly? So, so, so I'm, I'm a P2. I, I like to call myself a fledgling, right? And that's sort of the term that I, I use first because what's a fledgling, but like a bird that's just sort of fluffed its weather, its feathers and that jumps out of the nest and is only good at sinking. Right. So I'm pretty much still a fledgling. <laughs> Um, the, the wing that I fly is a UP Dina, which is, I guess like they market it as sort of a high A, low B, you know, when I first started, my kids were only three and I told the instructor, like, I want something that I can grow with. Like I want a wing that I can really grow with like five years that I can just like beat the life out of SIV with, um, that, you know, I'm not going to want to, that, that's going to last me like at least five years and also something that is seen well in the trees. So mine is red. <laughs> so it's like a red, white and, uh, and teal. And it's been, a, it's been a fun wing to fly. I also own, I know some, some of the people, some of the people on this podcast are like, oh, I own 30 wings. Like I got a husband and I got budget for one. Yeah. I um, may be loaded, but I ain't rich. <laughs> so, um, and I have a uh, I have a ground handling wing that I used more when I was more like last year um, because you know I joke around with other fledglings like you know it, like my wing is designed to inflate if you sneeze on it right like it's it's just designed to fly um, which is good in some ways but then can it's be also limiting good I could sneeze on it too yeah. <laughs> like it's it's limiting when when you're trying sometimes to kite because you're kind of limited in especially as a newbie. Um, what, what kind of wind you can even kite in without it getting uh, a little bit dangerous and too strong for you, especially if you don't know like um, good kill technique uh, and things like that. And so I ended up getting sort of a ground handling wing because I felt like if I couldn't fly, right, at least I could ground handle. I mean, I probably have well over 100 hours of ground handling. I have so much ground handling time uh, because that's something that, that I can do, you know, much more easily than than flying. I will say that when I do fly, I've gotten better at reading the weather, at least, at least I hope, I, I think I have, I hope I have. Um, and that makes it kind of uh, a little bit easier for when I pick and choose days to go out. Um, but so yeah, so just the two wings of Dina that I fly. And then uh, after I had some mishaps, kiting it and like smacking it down on the leading edge, not knowing what I was doing, uh, I got a ground handling wing that really kind of helps me 
when I'm trying different things or learn new maneuvers, I can use that. It's a lot smaller. It's, um, it's, it's sort of designed to be depowered. It actually has trimmers on it. Um, so it can be used in a little bit of a wider range of wind, of uh, wind speed. Um, so I'll like practice things on that first now before I will pull out my full size wing, just, just to keep it from just getting beat up really. What's the strongest conditions you've flown in? Ooh, probably just ridge dooring on the south side. Uh, maybe like, I'd have to ask to be sure, but I would say maybe like 12, 12 to 13 miles an hour, maybe closer to 12 miles an hour. I mean, not nothing crazy, nothing crazy. So what kind, what do you have in your bucket list for things that you want to do? Oh man. So, um, after my underwater after my, basket weaving, uh, yeah, right. Um, like there's definitely places and things like there's a, an idea of what kind of pilot I'd like to become. You know, you hear the term pilot in command, right? What does it take to be a pilot in command? Like what, what is that person? You know, like, I've seen pilots that are on your show and I've heard other pilots talk and um, ones that are actual pilots like actual aviation pilots that just, they understand the weather. They understand like there's just a breadth of knowledge is just amazing. Um, people that like know how to read and plan an XC triangle. Like there was a bunch of pilots that were going to try a triangle out of brace today, you know, just to, to get to that point where you have that knowledge to be able to do those things is pretty awesome. Um, as far as like immediate bucket list, uh, I, I actually signed up for SIV. Oh, my husband doesn't know this yet. Um, but I signed up for, for, I should probably tell him before he listens to this, if he listens. Um, so I signed up for SIV out, uh, with Del and Benedetti, um, in Santa Barbara, um, next summer, next June, which is something that I kind of like toyed back and forth about, like when, when would be a good time to do it. And then, um, my last flight at Brace, you know, I'm kind of following or, this pilot's under me and we're kind of going up and and as i'm going up i'm noticing oh i'm getting close to the ridge i better pop out of this <laughs> pop out get on bar a little bit and as i'm doing that i hear some you know i hear one of the mentors on radio so guys you really want to stay out in front of the ridge <laughs> you know um so, I, so, so a quick question kind of, uh sam because yeah. uh, i you just said something uh do you fly with uh speed bar um often is that kind of standard or no to get on bar no i don't but like at that moment when i saw myself i realized like um and i actually don't fly with a i have not yet flown with a true like uh variometer um i have one i have one i have i actually have a skytrax uh with 2.1 like flarm fanet um but i haven't actually flown with it yet and i i brought it to launch and part of it, part of the reason is because, um, you know, the, I'm, the instructor that I worked with in Utah kind of said to me something that stuck. And it was sort of that when you first learn, you really should be able to feel the air and know what you're doing before you sort of complicate things with instruments. Because if you start too soon with instruments, you're, you're never going to know what it feels like. And you're going to, you're going to get trapped in sort of like, looking at the screen too much, which you really should be looking at the, at the sky, at the ground, at everything around you. So I, you know, I, my first year, you know, I didn't necessarily mind that my flights were all short because I sucked at landing setups. I mean, like awful, like, 
awful crowd. I would totally crowd my landing approaches. I would overshoot things. I would have no idea how to spot my landing. I was, so my first year, I didn't care about taking a bunch of sledders because for me, it was like, I need to learn how to land. Like I need to learn how to launch. <laughs> I need to learn how to land. So it was a yeah, lot of I training. Was pretty bad. But so, I have bad aim. Just look at my bathroom. <laughs> so yeah, so it was like a lot of launch, 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 kiting practice, and then land, 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 landings. And now I'm at a point where I feel like my landing setups are good. Like I can, my spot landings are pretty decent. I've, I've had a couple situations where I've kind of been bumped up a little bit or the winds shifted and I've made corrections. So, so I feel better about the landings. And now I'm at a point where I can focus on really feeling the air, knowing when I'm in lift, trying to turn in lift, you know, it's when you're up there and you, it's just like sensory overload. Like there's just so much stuff, right? There's so much stuff coming at you. And and maybe my, my brain is very much like a chattering where I'd be up there and I and it's like 50 million things like running through my head. Um, and it's just, I have very limited mental bandwidth. I can only focus on like one thing at a time. I guess maybe like one season at a time even. Um, so I have the Vario. I'm probably now just gonna start flying with it. I actually have an audio only that I have on my wrist that I oftentimes don't turn on because mostly what I hear is, you know, that sound of like, you're just gliding down. <laughs> and I don't like to be reminded of that. Um, but yeah, I so- I if they I'm, could I'm program like, a Vario to like speak R2D2. Oh That'd yeah, or like encouraging, <laughs> you know, <laughs> the encouraging Vario. That would be great. You're doing great. Just turn a You're going up, woman. <laughs> <laughs> turn a little tighter. Another um, question about you mentioned weather. Do you what kind of apps do you use to check the weather? So I default because I'm a simple mind and I like colors and drawings. I I look mostly at windy, um, also because I find. Um, so I had, uh, because for me, it's the, honestly, it's the easiest I, to read. And I, I'm not at a point where I, I'm really doing like XC flying. So, oh yeah, me, the various, um, I'm not, a, I'm not at a point in my, in my flying where I can really like, I mean, I can appreciate other people's XC. I can't say that I can appreciate it with a full understanding of how they plan their routes. Uh, you know, flying, it's like, you know, it's like unpeeling an onion. There's layers, right? I'm still at, you know, the top of the stack as far as things that I'm going through. Um, but I, very early on, I think it's part of how I work. And I think how for a lot of pilots, I, I'm a very sort of like detailed, like I, I like to have a better understanding of why things are happening, explain to me the physics, explain to me the aerodynamics. You know, why did I have this landing on this day, but not on this day? What was different? And so I ended up joining the Fly with Greg community online because a lot of the videos that I did watch, I found were released by Flybubble and they were Greg Hammerton's videos. Um, and a lot of what he has done sort of with his group as far as weather analysis and his um, discussions and his explanations on um, reading the weather have, or have been based on Windy. Um, they also do a lot of like, uh, um, uh, they use other apps for like the XC guys that I don't, you know, I'll kind of peek into. Um, but I definitely like 100% default to Windy. <laughs> it's the easiest for me to read right now. 
So do you, do you guys have anything that you guys sort of default to when you look for the weather? Or is there anything like how detailed do you guys have to be as far as looking for the motoring? Oh, um, we have to be, we have to seek out super calm conditions, but windy is definitely a favorite of ours, but yeah. I'll check four different apps. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Carlton. Um, Bumble. Bum Bumble. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I don't use that one. Google it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so Wendy's kind of uh, the go-to. I'll yeah. kind of obs obsessively check it. Yep, that's for me too, that and Ryan Carlton. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so you need to tell them a little bit. Go back to when you met your mom. I found that kind of interesting. Oh, so... Yeah, so we... so. We were the agency that my sister and I were adopted through. Um, Holt is a pretty big agency out of South Korea. And um, I had always kind of had an interest in going back to the country to sort of visit it. You know, growing up in the States, you don't really get a whole lot of uh, like East Asian history. And um, it was just something where I always kind of felt like I wanted to go back and visit the country. But as a non-Korean speaker, that can be a little bit intimidating, you know, when you certainly look Korean, but you don't in any way act culturally Korean or speak the language. So the agency um, at the time was sponsoring trips for like adult adoptees that they could go overseas um, and go, go on like more of these, these cultural trips. Um, so I signed up to do a cultural trip with a bunch of adoptees because I figured, oh, this is this is like a safe space, right? These are all people that kind of fit into my category of uh, being somewhat Korean, South Korean imposters. Um, and it was all adults, which was nice. Um, and part of like what they asked you was if you wanted to do like a birth search or try to visit like the group home that you lived in, or you know, if you wanted to reconnect anything in any way with like your adoption history in South Korea. And at first I circled no, because in, in truth, you know, my, I, I never really had this overwhelming desire. Um, you know, my parents, when, when we had gotten older, had kind of explained the story that, um, our father had passed away when our parents were very young and my, our mom, um, had a lot of difficulty trying to raise two girls in South Korea as a young single mom. And so she had relinquished us to be adopted specifically by a Christian, uh, couple in the United States. And that's how we ended up adopted as so well. I was always kind of like cool with that story. You know, I never really felt like anything was missing. Um, but like maybe like a couple weeks before we left, the social worker sent me back my paperwork and said, oh, hey, you know, you forgot to fill out this stuff. And at that point, you know, I saw those questions again and I thought, well, shit, you know, I'm going to travel like this 12, 14 hour plane ride. I might as well say circle yes, right, to numbers one, two, three. And it, it was kind of a cop out, to be honest. Like at least I could never say I never tried, haha. You know, and at that point, a couple of the girls going on the trip had kind of um, been in contact with each other. And there were two other women that had actually um, been able to connect with their biological family. And I think for one person, it involved a private investigator. For the other person, it was a, like a several year process of searching. So I never kind of anticipated anything was going to happen of it. And then right before we left, I got this phone call from the social worker kind of saying, well, um, you know, I hope you're sitting and, you know, she had out the feelers like, oh, you know, what were you expecting or what were you thinking when you, you know, circled yes? 
And I was pretty straightforward. I said, like, honestly, I didn't think anything was coming of it. We're, we're leaving in a couple of weeks, right? And then she said, well, how would you feel if we um, actually have a record of who your mom is? She had actually always, she had actually sought post-adoptive counseling through the agency. And every time she moved, she had updated her address. Um, and so we know where she is now. And it was just the, it's the agency's policy, you know, to protect the, the adoptees and the mothers that they don't release any of the information unless as an adult, you sort of independently seek that information out for yourself. But that the information was actually always there. I just had to ask, like one of us had to ask. Um, and so there was sort of like, you know, flashbulb memory, right? Like I'm in REI holding a bottle of like travel soap thinking like, holy shit, I have to call my sister. Cause my sister wasn't even planning on going on this trip. Um, and I had to call her and let her know. And I had to let my parents know, like my parents didn't even know I had filled out this information. Um, and then, you know, kind of had this breakdown in the car, like this overwhelming sense of guilt, like, oh my God, this woman on the other side of the world has thought about me her whole life. And I just, it was like a total, like afterthought, like it was a cop out. I didn't think anything was going to come of it, you know? Um, so we ended up meeting her. I met her first. And then I think the next day my sister flew into South Korea and met her and sort of all of our extended family, like we have half sisters over there. Um, she ended up remarrying. So she has a second husband and, and cousins and things. And, and it's interesting now because like we sort of very peripherally know each other. Some of it's because of the language barrier. Um, but I saw like, you know, a cousin of mine in South Korea had a video of her on a tandem paragliding ride in like South Korea. And it's like, oh, I guess I, I do come from that family. You know, and maybe there's something in that that just never had an outlet. And didn't you say that your mom was big into hiking and other things? Yeah, so when we, when we, yeah, when we met, um, you know, they had married young and she had kind of described that that was sort of the things that they used to like to do. They used to like to go hiking and camping and, you know, because we, you know, you, you have like sort of like the getting to know you, like, what's your life like? What do you like to do? And, and so that sort of came out. She also um, is, is the type of woman that, uh, decided I think they felt they told me she was trying to learn how to rollerblade when she was 50 you know like sort of you know every now and then like there's stories like oh I guess so trying to learn to paraglide at you know 38 is <laughs> sort of kind of in line and she uh, drove three hours to go to that yeah yeah maybe, yeah three exactly. hours she probably she drove and, three hours and slept and camped there to, <laughs> to, to do it yeah yeah it's kind of it's kind of wild it's kind of yeah. crazy I'm gonna I share. would love to go to South Korea to fly, though. I would love to go. So who is this? Is that me? I hope that's a good launch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that was one of the last ones, yeah. Uh, that's that Where's race, this? yeah. Where's so that's at? Uh, that's Race Mountain. That's uh, Millerton. Oh, there's Victor. Victor was the one on radio. Uh, guys, you want to stay in front of the ridge. <laughs> He's a, he's a P4. So, um, so the sites, oh yeah, that was one of my first, that, I think that was actually my first, my first launch at Brace actually. You can see it's fledgling conditions, right? No wind, <laughs> easy sledder. <laughs> <laughs> see what else we got. So that was my first time out in Utah. I was with, um, hanging with Dale Covington, who's an amazing instructor. Um, and yeah, he, he just kind of radioed me in on a top landing. Like, hey, why don't you try to top land this? And then 
just kind of like talked me through it. The second time I went back, I ended up sort of, um, I don't know if it's still considered a top landing. You could do it on the main launch on the north side because the north side has like sort of a step. Um, but I had, had done that myself. So, yeah, a lot of, a lot of kiting, I guess, to get there. <laughs> so. Kiting is fun. Yeah, it's a, honestly, I love therapeutic. it. Therapeutic. It's, I was going to say, it's kind of meditative, right? Like, do you guys fly with music? Do you guys have something in your ears? Or is it just quiet? Is it just like the sound of the motor when you guys are A lot of my friends do. I haven't yet. Because I'm okay. just like, I used to be a musician. And okay. music gives me a lot of joy. But so is paramotoring. So I'm like, paramotoring is enough. I don't want to add more stuff on it. Because next yeah. thing you know, I'll be doing coke up in there or something. Who knows? Oh, no. <laughs> no I don't fly with music. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't either. I'll I kite with music times. sometimes. Do you, Jade? Yeah. You? At, at times I do. Hmm. When I can get my earbuds to work. or I'll go out to the field, light some candles, bring some wine, put on some Kenny G. <laughs> Be like, oh, yeah. Wear a dress. <laughs> Wear something low-cut and sexy, you know. <laughs> I forgot to warn you about him. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Right, Eric says we fly with the static and in, in our radios. Oh, that's <laughs> that's usually us. Yeah. yeah. When Jade goes tandem with Eric, she'll be her uh, his uh, was it Vario? Like she'll just be back there going. I think to him, yeah, that, that's right. Kind of like that picture that. I had singing to you. <laughs> <laughs> so um, let's see. Well, with the screw up we had, we had one hour. This this is an hour. Yeah. Oh wow! So wow, is it really? Oh my god, it is an hour. Anybody got any other questions for? Her? And if if anybody knows anybody in the East Coast area that does paragliding. Um, because she doesn't want to get in trouble with her husband on buying a motor. <laughs> Anybody yeah. has a motor for sale for dirt cheap. <laughs> um, please let us know in the chat here if there's any areas that you can think of. Where about in New Jersey again? So I'm outside of Philly. I'm like uh, in South Jersey outside the Philadelphia area. Okay. Yeah, I'm like 20 minutes out. So they do have wings designed for free flight as well as paramotor. I know. Universal. Oh. And wings, low hour wings do have really good resale value. Just saying. I know. Isn't that terrible? It's, you know, it's not going to be a matter of the low hours. It's going to be a matter of how much time has passed and how much yeah, you've done a lot of hiding hours on yours, though. I forgot about that. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, I mean, it's. Like, I, I kind of told Jade the story of, like, uh, you know, the story of running the marathon. You know, it's. Yeah, I like our progression is never as fast as we want it to, but I've I've always kind of had this uh, this idea that you know it's uh, in it, I'm sort of in it for the long run, and I kind of learn and I do what I can while I can. So it's a lot of kiting and as for now, and like a lot of trying to understand the weather and learning conditions and getting forecasts back from other pilots. I have maybe gone out to fly and see like oh what I think it was the day was going to be like, is that really how it unfolded? Like how wrong was I or how close was I to the conditions, you know, and then just kind of getting it when I can, taking trips when I can to build the time 
and uh, kind of slowly going from there. Or getting a motor and just getting lots of airtime, banging yeah. out the airtime, <laughs> like a lot of other pilots I know. Well, what's nice is it's never a rush. It doesn't matter where you're at or how good you are. It's just, are you doing it? You know, because you'll eventually grow into something more. Mm -hmm. yeah. And if you like the glide, you can glide. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So if nobody else has got any questions, um, we didn't get a chance to even ask you if you're able to come on that after show or not. I did put a link in the chat if anybody wants to join and um, if Sam is willing to stick around. Otherwise, maybe yes. Deweese and Steve want to stick around too. Yep. Um, All night long. No. <laughs> maybe I can get Eric on here in the after show also. So. Anyway, um, I thank you, Samantha, for joining us tonight. And sorry, I hit the wrong button on my iPad. Um, thank you, everyone. I just want to say thank you to Mr. D. Bart West, who's out in Nevada. Mr. Tim Montana, who says he's never heard me call him Tim. John Wayne, thanks for joining. Copay. And I know Tony and Angela were in here. John Wayne. Let's see, who else? Um, Aaron I. Aaron I. Bill H. was in here. I think he had to leave, I think. Um, uh, Copay J, what's your real name? <laughs> I know. <laughs> do, you, do you know? Oh, I'm going to ask you later. I know. And Walter was in here. Walter, yeah. Yep. That's cool. He hasn't been on for a while. He says he's been hibernating. Mark McElroy was in here. Thank you, sir. Is it cold in Australia right now? Yeah, I know, Jason. Are they opposite of us or something? Yep. So, all right. Next week, um, I wasn't able to get into the chat, but we should be back home. Hopefully, things will be mellowed out a little bit, and I won't hit the end too fast. And you got Samantha, the social media question, Jane? Yep. Samantha, you're more than welcome to come on our shows in the future and yeah, um, do you have any social media pages that you are at that we can watch you uh not re I, i'm not really to be honest i i'm a facebook lurker i confess i'm a facebook okay. lurker i have an instagram it's schnooty poo because <laughs> that's my dog's nickname <laughs> what's what uh, is it it's schnooty poo s-c-h-n-o-o T I E P O O. That's what they called me in high school. Schnooty Poo. Yeah, that's my dog's name. I think it might be a picture of my dog actually on the account. And that's on Instagram. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, and Deweese, do you have any new videos out and where can we find them? No, I have. I, they're on uh, YouTube um, under Deweese Milstead. Nothing new on there uh, since uh, the fly in. Um, I've got uh, Facebook, Dweese Milstead, and uh, I can't remember. That's it. <laughs> I don't know too much. <laughs> Steve, what about you? You've been posting a lot. I don't want to be found. Just remember, <laughs> we don't see you on the air. We'll see you in the air. Yeah. You said it too early. <clears throat> so anyway, um, I'll say my social media. I'm at 
Facebook under my name and also under the Girls Just Want to Fly page and also on Instagram occasionally on Flying Flamingo 12 and paramotorgirl.com on YouTube. I got to start cracking the whip and making some videos from one our flying and see if I can do something for Oshkosh. Oshkosh, Wisconsin. <laughs> yeah, I hate and this. And if you guys ever have a chance to go, please go. It's the last week of July. It is awesome. So it's not because Steve or I are there. It'll be because Dewey's will be there next year. That's right. I'll be so. there. <laughs> So, oh, and anyway. the winner of the, the fanciest glasses competition is a tie between me and Sam. <laughs> yep. Very good, yeah. Okay, on that note, we need to go. All right, guys. See you next week in the air. Toodles. Bye. Nothing is untrue, nothing don't matter, it's all notions of our emotions, of everything we are.